This is Guy Kawasaki, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Guy Kawasaki, and I am an author, a speaker, venture capitalist, an entrepreneur, also husband and father. <laughs> I kind of said that in reverse order, maybe. So yeah, that's who I am. I live in Silicon Valley, California. So you, you have a new book out, Guy, or I, I actually like to say you have a new idea out, and the medium you've chosen is a book. Um, but the idea is around this concept of enchantment, and, and briefly just tell me, what is enchantment? Enchantment is a process of creating a, a deep and meaningful and delightful relationship between you and other people. Uh, it enables you to change people's hearts, minds, and actions. And it's, uh, it comes with responsibility. You know, when you have this ability to change hearts, minds, and actions, you have to look out for both parties. Uh, it should be mutually beneficial. And uh, I know, it, you know, at Leader Lab, we're focused a lot on resources that help out business leaders, whether, whether it be... Uh, well, not not just business leaders, also nonprofit, any sort of organizational leader. And I, I fear there's a tendency to pigeonhole this almost as a marketing book, but I really feel like it's more than that, which is the reason we um, invited you to come in and talk about it. Um, I feel like there's a lot involved in enchantment, and we're going to talk a lot about uh, how leaders and followers can, can be enchanting, how you can enchant your boss. But for, to give everybody a top-line sense of the book, um, there's a process of enchantment that you start off with. Um, how do you launch an enchanting movement? Well, the the foundation of enchantment is that you are a likable and trustworthy person. Because if you think about it, have you ever been enchanted by someone you didn't like? Probably not. But likability is not sufficient because you can like somebody and not trust them and not believe in them. A very good example of this is you know, pick a Hollywood celebrity. You can love an actor, you can love an actress, but you know, would you trust them to give you advice or to tell you what to do? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> so the, the baseline, the foundation is that you're likable and trustworthy. And then the third pillar of enchantment is that you have a great idea or product or service or cause. And if you have all three, you'll be enchanting. Not not. You know, no one has all three in large quantities. Uh, some organizations have great product. That's Apple. Some organizations have great trustworthiness. That's Zappos. Some organizations have great likability, uh, primarily because of their CEO. Great example of this is uh, Virgin with Richard Branson, who, who I understand from reading the book, actually got down on his knees and shined your shoes at one point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, well, we were both speaking in Moscow, and he came up to me and he asked me if I ever fly Virgin, and I said, "Well, I'm a United Airlines Global Services guy, so I, I never fly Virgin." And then in real time, he got on his knees and started polishing uh, my shoes with his jacket, and that's why I fly Virgin America today. That's <laughs> amazing. Well, uh, Sir Richard, if you're listening, I I, I fly American, so um, you know. <laughs> When I see him, I'll tell him. <laughs> oh, yeah, please, please do, please do. Now you um, you hit on an interesting point with the first two pillars, and this is where you know I'm I'm a uh, I'm a recovering academic by trade, and when yeah. I read about the likability and trustworthiness, I, I really lead a lot into where 
um, the research in, on influence and the research on uh, sort of transformational and charismatic leadership is with that likability and trustworthiness. The, the difference in what I loved about enchantment is kind of explain how to do that without throwing out even more confusing, esoteric, academic terms. Uh, so, really, really, although, although you cite a lot of really good research, which I find uh, really, really kind of cool, and we'll get into some of that in a second, but re- real quickly, you know, if I, need to, uh, if I need to make someone like me or need to make someone perceive me as the trustworthy person I am, what, uh, what, help, what help can I get from you on that? Well, well first of all, I, I wouldn't, couch it in those terms, um, because the way you say, you know, make myself into this likable person to kind of finish this transaction, um, that's not the crux of the issue. Uh, That's more like putting lipstick on a pig. You still will be a pig (laughs) with lipstick. We have to go a little bit deeper. (laughs) So uh, the, the, the starting point of likability are really basics, um, and and people, you know, you, you, you kind of some of the, a lot of business books and a lot of books like mine, you read it and you say, well, duh, but then you go out in the real world and you say, well, duh, guy's right, and people don't do this. So some simple examples: um, when you meet people, are you smiling or not? I mean, it's that simple. And if you're smiling, are you using just your jaw? Or you're using your jaw and your eyes because a true smile has both. This is called a Duchenne smile. Second point is how are you dressed? Are you dressed beneath the audience so you're insulting them? Are you dressed way above the audience so you're putting them down? Or are you dressing like a peer? Um, you should dress for a tie, no pun intended. And the third thing is you know, how's your handshake? Uh, is, it, is your hand all like uh, gross and moist? Uh, are you holding the shake too long, too short? Are you too close, too far? Uh, are you uh, staring into the person's eye or looking them in the eye or looking down on your gro- at the ground on your feet? Um, you know, these are some basics. And when we, we move from likability to trustworthiness, then, you, then it's really, you know, I need to get into your head a little. Um, if you want to be trustworthy, first of all, you need to trust others. The way it works is you trust others, they trust you. It is not a chicken or egg. There's a definite order here. The second point is you need to default to a yes attitude. That is, whenever you meet people and you interact with people, you should be thinking, well, how can I help this person? Which is very different than thinking, how can this person help me? And the third aspect of trustworthiness is, can you think like a baker instead of an eater? An eater sees a pie and says, wow, I've got to get the biggest slice I can. A baker says, I'll bake another pie or I'll bake a bigger pie. Everybody can get more pie. And if you, so those are the fundamentals of likability and trustworthiness. And to that, you add a great product or service, you know, something that's, I, I call it dicey. It's deep, intelligent, complete, empowering, and emotive. And that's, that's the kind of product that, that Apple makes, right? The depth of the Macintosh, the intelligence of how it's designed, the completeness of iTunes and genius bars and the empowering nature of making you more creative and more powerful and the elegance of its beautiful user interface. You combine all those things and you will enchant people. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think I, I, I got to go back and say you're, you're absolutely right. I, you, can't, uh, you can't make me likable if I'm a curmudgeon, but helping people <laughs> see that they should like me. <laughs> is my uh, is my best day. and and I have to go back too because you, when you talked about the handshake, one of the things I loved about the book, my my as I said, recovering academic nature, 
uh, you actually present a formula for the absolute perfect handshake, <laughs> as, as laid out by a, a psychologist from the University of Manchester. We won't go into it, but suffice it to say, yeah. exactly what you, uh, what you said about the handshake is represented in mathematical formula. <laughs> so if you want to figure that out, everybody, go pick up enchantment. It's only, only a university from the United Kingdom would come up with research that gave you a formula for the perfect handshake, right? Oh, no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I, I was reading, I think it's the most recent uh, Academy of Management journal, and there's a, a researcher from a, a UK-based university who was, did a, essentially did an anthropological study of uh, dining rituals at Oxford. And they're like, it's, it's dinner. I mean, there's not a lot to it. It's, we're having dinner. I, but, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's, uh, you know, the UK government paying for this research and not the US government. Yeah, paying for that's, this that's I'm glad. I am so glad the grants didn't come from, from our shores. So there you go. And, and, and let's talk, let's transition a little bit into, uh, I mean, you've, you've been uh, involved in several startups as, as a VC, you're involved with Apple, now involved with Alltop, which uh, if, you, if our listeners don't already know, they should click on the little uh, Alltop badge and see all of the leadership offerings at Alltop because it's, it's another great idea, um, just like the awesome interface of Apple products, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're starting that company and you're really trying to move and push out that enchanting product, you also have to enchant your employees. So yes. for those business leaders or those organizational leaders, how do you enchant employees? Okay. Uh, I, I can give – there's a whole chapter about this, but let me give you the single well, most kind of powerful – was a question. Yeah. The single <laughs> yeah. most powerful way to do this is to remember the acronym MAP, M-A-P. So as a manager – you need to provide your employees with MAP. M stands for mastery. It means you provide them a way to master skills, to become a better person. Uh, you come to work for us and you'll master social media. You come to work for us, you'll master video editing or programming or writing. You know, pick something. So you're going to improve yourself by working at this company. Secondly, uh, you will be working autonomously. That's the A. We're not going to micromanage you. And finally, our, our organization, our department has a higher purpose. It is not simply making widgets for the exchange uh, for money. We are, we are trying to make the world a better place, people more creative, more productive, better environment, uh, you know, reducing energy consumption, whatever, bringing joy into people's hearts. Whatever it is, we have a higher purpose. And so you could say to employees, if you work for us, or and this is not just a recruiting spiel, but in general, um, you're, you'll enchant your employees if you can provide them with an opportunity for mastery, autonomy, and purpose. I, I, I hope, was hoping you would get there because I know at some point our, our listeners are going to get uh, – uh, a little bit of nausea with hearing that, but that is basically the simplified <laughs> way to do employee engagement. I, I have to back up. We did, we uh, last year we interviewed Daniel Pink, and one one yeah. of the interesting things is he built on Desi's work and a lot of really good research on how to engage and and enchant employees. And it keeps yeah. circling back to this idea of give them a chance to improve themselves, set them free, give them a purpose, and yet yet still there are these glaring examples of the Zappos and the Apples of the world, and then there's the shoe buy and the Hewlett Packard of the world who just don't get it. And so we're sort of on a, on a smaller mission too, to help promote, promote that idea of map within an organizational life. I, I think it's because I'm trained as a, as an organizational <laughs> behavior guy. But you have to ask yourself, you know, why don't some companies get it? I mean, 
it's not rocket science. What what am I missing? No, I I, I totally agree. And every, you know, the the ironic part is uh, every time that I work with an organization on that, what I experience is they say, "Oh, well, what's the ROI on doing that?" Well, if we give them, you know, if we do a a twenty percent time like a Google, what's the ROI? It's like. He, Okay, you don't get it. You still don't get it then because it's not about the ROI. So yeah. You know, you're, if you give someone 20% time, you're giving them permission to waste 20% of their time until something useful comes out of that waste, and that's, that's what it's about. And uh, yeah, you know, the same yeah. way, if, if you give your employees an opportunity to develop themselves, well, okay, it may not be quantifiable, you, but you have no idea what your business needs are going to be 10 years from now, and, oh, that person that went to that seminar to try and master uh, social media back when it was just Friendster. Now they're uniquely positioned to understand Facebook, Twitter, and, and all of yep. those things. But the great irony is the same person who's asking that question of you, when it comes to his or her perks, yeah, we don't need a formula for for that, right? right. <laughs> when it comes to my stuff, you know, when, when I need to go to this golf tournament off-site with my colleagues, uh, okay, you know, there's an ROI there, right? Um, no, for sure. For, for sure. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because my very next question was to turn the tables. And when you're the follower and you need to enchant your boss because maybe the whole map process is, is falling to you <laughs> and it's your responsibility to give yourself mastery, autonomy, and purpose, how do you enchant your boss with what you're okay. doing and be able to earn those things? Uh, this is a somewhat controversial recommendation I'm going to give you, okay? But, okay. in my humble opinion, the single best way to enchant someone that you work for is when he or she asks you to do something, you basically drop everything else you're doing and do it. And I know, you know, people are, you know, people are getting, like, a little uncomfortable because they're saying, well, what if I'm working on something that's more important? might be more important to me, might be more important to the boss, might be more important to the organization, big picture. Uh, you know, you're a product manager and you're, you're working on completing the manual and your boss says, I need a PowerPoint. And you say to yourself, you know, if I don't finish this manual, we're not going to ship this product. Is that more or less important than your PowerPoint? Um, but I, I, I just have to tell you that if you want to enchant your boss, drop everything and do what they ask first. And I think that ties into another point that you have in the book about making your boss look good. Yeah. Uh, and, and you bring up, I think it's, a, I forget what it, you say exactly, but essentially no one's ever been promoted to a position from below their boss to above their boss. It's, always, it's pretty much yeah. always the boss gets promoted and you get to replace the boss. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, think of yourself as a racing team and you know, uh, you got to draft with the other guy on your team, right? And a lot of people think, I'll make my boss look bad and uh, my boss's boss will realize that and then they'll promote me above my boss because I've made my boss look bad. Uh, I I don't know if that's occurred in the history of mankind. Uh, yeah, the, the, the general rule from, from, you know, thousands of years of human history is that, and I'll put it in academic speak, excrement tends to, uh, be, <laughs> tends to be subjected to the rules of gravity, uh, or crap runs downhill. Right, right. <laughs> well, enchantment flows uphill. <laughs> mm, yes, yeah, no, that's, and, that's, and that's true. And if you want to get to a position where you can start letting uh, enjambment flow both ways, you've got to you've got to eventually make your boss look good. 
that's right. Stop everything you do. I really, <laughs> I, I know it's, it's, it's probably is controversial, and I, I think it's controversial because most people just don't want to, to do that. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's just like trust. It, it is a two-way street. And as yeah. you work and drop everything for your boss, if you come to them with a need and you have a, you know, a history of being well, able to help them with what they need, you know, well, too. maybe I can make it more real and more believable. <laughs> okay. So okay. Here, here's a corollary. One of the corollaries is perhaps the most powerful way to enchant your wife now, which is different than saying your spouse, okay? <laughs> I'm saying wife. Not, not that I'm sexist. I'm being very specific here. If you want to enchant your wife for a very long time and stay married, it is a very good piece of advice that when she asks you to do something, you drop everything and you do it. And so if it works with your wife, it'll work with your boss. If it works with your boss, it won't necessarily work with your wife. I rest my case. Think about all the situations where you've had issues. If you had just said, honey, I'll do it. <laughs> I drop everything. You know, I may be writing another book, but if you want me to <laughs> clean out the garbage, I will do it right now. You will be a happier man. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's great. great. Years, years ago, I was told by, as I was getting ready to uh, to take the plunge and get married, I was told, you have two choices when your wife asks you to do something or when you're in an argument and you're trying to defend your stance or what you're doing. You can be right or you can be happy. <laughs> pick one. Right. Whichever one you'd rather be. Yeah, you, pick one. But if one. you want to be happy, you're probably going to go, okay, let's, I'll go take out the garbage then. <laughs> so, yeah. Life is simple sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's let's talk about a little bit more complicated uh, dynamic. One of the things I love that you included in the book is uh, is essentially how to how to avoid enchantment and how to resist yeah. enchanting effects. And yeah. what what is the antidote? If for some reason you didn't want to be enchanted, if for some reason you're trying to uh, work that angle, what what is the way to avoid enchantment? Well, first, I included that chapter because not everybody who tries to enchant you has your best interests at heart. So you need to know how to resist enchantment. Uh, and a second reason I put it in the book is that if you really want to be a world-class enchanter, you need to know how people will resist you. So I have you know, two motivations, somewhat contradictory there. Uh, but I, I think there are some really simple things you can do to resist enchantment. So one thing... Uh, that I practice is if you know you're a sucker for certain things and you can be easily enchanted and persuaded and wooed and influenced, don't put yourself in that situation. For example, if you love to shop, tell yourself you're not going to the shopping center, right? And then you won't see anything on sale that compels you and enchants you. It's just out of sight, out of mind. That's a very simple thing. Another thing to do is, you know, at the point that you're making a decision and you think it's going to be a very positive, you know, outcome, ask yourself, is that positive outcome for the next 15 minutes or six months from now will I say, yes, I'm glad I did this? Uh, that is a very good test. A third way to resist enchantment is to have sort of a mental checklist that uh, before you squeeze the trigger, have you considered a six-month impact? the true cost of the purchase or the decision, uh, the impact on other people that you care about, 
um, all these kinds of things. And if you go down the checklist and all the boxes are checked, God bless you. Go for it. But until you do those things, uh, you know, you should resist the enchantment. No, it's, it's good advice. It's, I mean, you can, you can apply that to everything from work, the workplace to dieting. I mean, I, I've often joked yeah. that I just don't, uh, I don't have a particular diet, South Beach or, you know, Atkins or whatever. I, I have the don't eat crap diet, which is to say we just don't buy stuff and we don't put it in the house <laughs> if it's bad for you. And that way, when you're out of the house eating at a restaurant, you can eat whatever you want because you had Honey Nut Cheerios for breakfast. So whatever. Yeah. I I, uh, I feel the same way. I, I think I'm like you. I'm a supply-side eater, <laughs> using economic terms. Wow. <laughs> so if, if, you know, if it's there, I'll eat it. If there's chocolate in the house, I'll eat it. If there's candied apricots, I'll eat it. If it's not there, I won't get in a car to go get it. Right. So, exactly. You know, so, now the problem is that I have four kids, and these kids are from, you know, 6 to 15 or 17. Now, okay, so, you know, I know that I'm not the perfect parent, and, and we don't have this, you know, all vegan, all organic, nothing but bright colored vegetables in the house. I'm sorry, okay, we have pretzels, and we have, you know, we have a, a cereal that is the primary component is uh, sugar and all this kind of stuff so you know well, your body needs uh, glucose yeah well well i don't know if my body needs glucose but their bodies do <laughs> but go. since their bodies need glucose and their bodies need bacon and their bodies need other kinds of stuff we have this in the house and as i said i'm a supply side eater so if it's in the house for them it's in the house for me too Guy Scary. Sub- subject to the enchanting powers of little debbie <laughs> <laughs> I never met a cookie I didn't like. <laughs> wow, nice. I, I like that. I like that. Enchanted by cookies. Well, the book comes out March eighth. Pick it up. There's a there's a lot of information in there. There's a lot of studies. If you want to know the perfect formula for an enchanting handshake, uh, or if you just want to figure out how to enchant your boss so you can get some mastery, autonomy, and purpose, uh, pick it up. But but guy, I've got two questions for you. Uh, what are you reading now? If, if you saw the kind of stuff that I read, um, I like Tom Clancy, I like David Baldacci, I like Daniel Selva, I like um, I, my kind of reading. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm not this big highbrow intellectual reader. A typical book that I love is, I'll give you the gist of all the books I love. Ex-Navy SEAL. Just minding his own business. One day, you know, these terrorists kill his wife and daughter. He's so pissed off now. Terrorism is over, is taking over the United States. And so the president calls him out of retirement and says, you know, the CIA can't handle it. The, the FBI can't handle it. I'm creating this special task force to, for you to just, you know, use any, any, Thing you can to stop the bad guys. So the, this ex-Navy SEAL full of anger, and he, he gets all these weapons, and he assembles this team of mean people, and they go out and just blow people up, and they do it. That's like my kind of book. Right. So, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, and I, and I have to say, this, this interview is being recorded the day before the Oscars, so while everyone is fighting about the King's speech versus the social network, guy is on the sidelines going, give it to Taken, give it to Taken. <laughs> Or the mechanic. Yeah, or the mechanic, exactly. <laughs> I, I know you're uh, I know you're promoting the book and uh and seeing it through its launch, but what's next for you? Oh god, next for me I I'm I'm just beginning the launch. I mean in a sense 
Let me give you an analogy of what you just did to me. Let's say you go up to a woman, and she's in uh, the maternity ward, and after 48 hours of labor, natural childbirth, no epidural, just ripping her insides up, she's finally given birth, okay? And you say to her, when are you going to have another child? <laughs> that's, what <you> just, <laughs> that's what you just did to me. <laughs> well, well, I slap your head. <laughs> well, fair, fair enough. Well, I know there's. Uh, I, I I know you're just commencing the uh, the busyness of the launch schedule. Um, so that's that's a hundred percent understandable. Absolutely. I I um I just wonder if you weren't gonna you know publish a paper with the uh, formula for handshake guy. No, no, you know, no, or or, no. or about and and we didn't we didn't talk about it earlier, but. Or about how if you really want people to like you, you should put them in comfy chairs. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's study. a whole another haptic sensation <laughs> study. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so there's no there's no uh, haptics for enchantment uh, follow up book. That's that's good. <laughs> Guy, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab. Oh, it's uh, it's been fun. What what better way to spend a Saturday morning? 